the National Association for Primary Education has an SEND conference in association with the University of Bedfordshire on the 26th of April 2024. This is a hybrid event and available to anybody in person or online. Please go to nape.org.uk for more information. That's nape.org.uk. I'm delighted to share I am now delivering podcast training courses for the London School of Public Relations. The One Day Essentials of Podcasting Certificated Short Course is highly practical and packed full of useful information to get you on the road to producing your own professional podcasts. The podcast course will help you to create, edit, deliver and promote your podcast. The course also provides useful tips and tricks on producing professional and effective results. So you can find out about these in-person and online training courses at educationonfire.com forward slash LSPR. Hello, my name is Mark Taylor and welcome to the Education on Fire podcast. place for creative and inspiring learning from around the world. Listen to teachers, parents and mentors share how they are supporting children to live their best authentic life and are proving to be a guiding light to us all. Hello, welcome back to the Education on Fire podcast. Thank you so much for joining me as always. People have been getting in touch asking how they can support the show. Well, that's fantastic. I really do appreciate that. If you go to educationonfire.com forward slash support, that takes you to a page where you can leave a small donation and you can leave a small message. I'm happy to give you a shout out on the show. Um, Helps us bring you even more of these wonderful conversations. Now, today I'm delighted to be chatting to Catherine Miller and she's the Education and Engagement Lead at Magic Breakfast. Magic Breakfast is a registered charity providing healthy breakfast to children and young people in the UK who arrive at school too hungry to learn and expert support to their schools. Over 200,000 children and young people are on roll at primary, secondary, ASL, special educational needs schools and pupil referral units that the charity works with in the disadvantaged areas in Scotland and England. Providing breakfast ensures that children start their school day with the energy and nutrition they need to be able to make the most of their morning lessons. Magic Breakfast also undertakes research and campaigns for long-term solutions to end hunger as a barrier to learning. Now you can see why I was really excited about having this conversation. It's something which we talk about a lot on the show about, you know, what the entire child needs as a whole in order to help them learn. So I hope you really enjoy this conversation with Catherine Miller from Magic Breakfast. Hi Catherine, thank you so much for joining us here on the Education on Far podcast. It always seems amazing to me that the idea of learning when everybody isn't even set up for the day is something which is almost unfathomable in some ways, you know, making sure that we've actually slept, we've ate, we have all the, the key life ingredients are so important before we even think about any kind of sort of academic or, or school learning. So yeah, thanks so much for being here. And I'm really excited about talking about what you're able to offer schools. Absolutely. It's that Maslow's hierarchy of needs, isn't it, that every teacher is yeah. aware of. Um, it turns out if you feed children, they can learn. It's not rocket science. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We haven't gotten as far as the astrophysics yet. No, yet, sorry. We'll make a big program. <laughs> if you're if you're hoping for some highbrow intellectual debate, that's not what I'm about. I'm afraid. Oh, fantastic. So, so tell, first of all, take us into the world of Magic Breakfast and, and, and your role within it. Absolutely. So I'm the education and engagement lead. I work on the innovation team. Uh, within service delivery. So Magic Breakfast, we have a really simple mission. It's to end child morning hunger. Um, We know that there are 4 million children at risk of hunger in the UK at the moment that experience food insecurity. Um, We, so our vision is to end child morning hunger for now and for the long term. And service delivery, the department that I sit within, 
is uh, focused on solving that problem for now. So we deliver food to hundreds of schools across England and Scotland, and we provide bespoke support to those schools. So our engagement partners go and have annual meetings and visits to schools where um, we supply our food. And we work really closely with SLT to help make sure that they're reaching all the vulnerable children at risk of hunger within that school. So when I was teaching, if someone had told me about breakfast I would have just thought, oh, that's that's a before school club. That's something that doesn't need to involve me. But we found that actually by having a whole school classroom breakfast or an extended reach, bagels in the playground or a grab and go, just whatever suits that local context, we found that the impact is really significant. And head teachers time and time again tell us that it's the uh, simplest intervention that they've put in place that has the most impact. And I guess that there are probably a couple of things which make a big difference there. One is the fact that that engagement is in a different scenario than we're now sitting down in class. So even the the, the conversations in the atmosphere, even at that start of the day, sort of sets them up in a different way. Absolutely, hugely. The we've schools tell us that um, the relationships between staff and and children and young people are enriched and deepened by the simple fact of providing food, we're meeting an, a universal human need. And um, particularly during uh, the lockdowns, um, schools were telling us that it, our support changed their fundamental relationship with families because they the families no longer saw um, schools as someone to lock heads with. They found that schools were really caring and, and supportive um, places to be. And is it a combination of um, just children needing breakfast because they're not getting it at home? Is it partly a time thing in terms of parents having to drop off early and go to work? And how does that sort of work from sort of your sort of global sort of perspective? We hear all sorts of, there are all sorts of reasons why a child might arrive at school hungry. It could be that there's no food in the cupboards. It could be that um, the a child, particularly we find with SEN schools, that children often live a long way from the school, so they're taxied in and have to leave home very early in the morning. And then by the time they arrive at school, the, the breakfast just helps them regulate and, and, and reboot for the day. Um, it could be that parents are busy working. A lot of our head teachers tell us it's the jam families that they're most concerned about. So that's the just about managing families who who aren't able to access pupil premium funding for their children or, you know, parents might be working, both working two jobs um, and they're really busy and just mornings can be quite chaotic. So by offering that breakfast at the start of the school day, uh, schools tell us that it really helps their parents to just have a more settled start to the day it helps the um it just provides that space for the children to settle and 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 change their mindset so that they can really start to focus and when the learning starts the teaching starts then their learning really can start it seems a bit of a funny a funny question really but but what is breakfast and and does that vary across different schools you know is it is it fruit is it like say you talked about bagel is it cereal or, or is it something which is the same that you offer across the board or, or is there more sort of personalized um, insight than that 
we're really lucky to work with some absolutely amazing um, corporate partners and um, we have broadened our nutritional offering for schools so we want to um, not only provide breakfast for schools for children and young people but also to help uh, broaden their horizons regarding food and nutrition um, so all of our food it is uh, school food standard compliant so we don't provide cereal food that isn't appropriate for children um, we liked we provide bread bagels uh, crumpets a broad range of cereals um, porridge oats and baked beans eggs milk um, there's a really broad mix of foods there and our engagement partners will work with schools to help make sure that they can um, use the food really well to make sure there's no food waste. We're really mindful that the um, environment is going to be really important for these children and young people. So we want to help. So for those people that have not sort of entered into your world, as it were, how, how does it work from like you said you were working with partners if they if they want to be involved um what's the sort of the, the next steps as it were in terms of how they would do that and the practicalities of what you provide and and how you'd like to say your partners work with you and how that then becomes in in the school which of course is what we're here to sort of share really so within service delivery we're really focused on that vision of ending child morning hunger now the second part of our um vision is ending it for the long term and we have a really brilliant campaigns team they engage with political parties to try and get that fundamental structural change within society to make sure that um you know we're conscious that we can't feed all the children by ourselves we can't do this by ourselves so we we work really collaboratively with other organizations uh, specifically regarding food partners and next steps then within our innovation team we have a, a really diverse mix of people there's only five of us there are only five of us um one of us we have a supplier lead and she deals with um developing new getting new products into breakfast we have a logistics lead and she looks at all the i, I don't know how she does what she does <laughs> it just <laughs> she would say the same about me probably um, we have a brilliant project manager who makes sure that you know looks after us all and makes sure we're all on track um and then we have our lead um, and she also manages the operations team, which deals with those logistics too. Um, so our supplier lead has conversations with um, food partners all the time and then we'll implement trials and, you know, we might try products in a few schools, learn from that and then roll them out more broadly. And so this is obviously hugely expensive um so how does it work in terms of, of you getting your money i guess from from different sources first of all and i guess governments have a role to play in this because i guess depending on the, the government itself and funding opportunities that's going to make a difference to what you're able to provide absolutely um, a long-standing joke at magic breakfast is that we aim to do ourselves out of a job um we are a charity so our funding comes from um, all sorts of charitable donations, whether it be individual giving or people doing fun events. Um, there's actually a team of us internally who are doing the Yorkshire Three Peaks Challenge next year um, to raise money um, for our lovely charity. 
Um, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then we also have uh, big corporate partners who use their um, their CSR to help support our work as well. And we're hugely grateful for all this, all the people who help us. Yeah, I can I can imagine. And so, if there is a change of government next year, does that directly affect you, just in terms of policy or in terms of actual money that may come to you as well? Our campaigns team work really closely with the with all the political parties, and we were delighted to hear that Labour have said that they would support school breakfasts across the country. Um, also, not not only to feel feed hungry children, but also with the added benefit of supporting parents with childcare. We've had head teachers say to us that they have parents who have been able to get back into the workplace as a direct result of having a magic breakfast within school, because it's just given the parents that freedom and the free childcare that they need. And I guess the cost of living is must have had a, had an impact on on some of the situations that you've seen. Oh, hugely, massively. Um, we know that seventy six percent of families are struggling to get enough healthy food to eat. We know that a third of families have cut back on the amount of food that they buy. There's never been a greater need for our support. And it seems to me that. I mean, it, it's not that long <laughs> since, or that, that it seems that this has all been in the news, or that people have been aware of it. But it just sort of seems to have become the norm very quickly, and and actually people are struggling much more than I don't know. There's kind of awareness that, that that's happening, but to the extent that you're talking about, I'm not sure that that's on everyone's sort of um, sort of tip of tongue or front of mind. It's certainly become exacerbated. I think um, during the lockdowns, people became more aware of. Uh, the issues around the need to support our more vulnerable children. There was the whole conversation around getting vulnerable children into schools. So I think people became more aware there about the safety net that schools provide. There was obviously Marcus Rashford and his campaigning and and, um, that really highlighted our work. We've been running for 20 years and it, it doesn't feel right that we exist. There shouldn't be a need for us. Yeah, I think everyone can can identify with that. And I think like, you know, the position that we started with is the fact that everybody needs to have their life as settled and as secure as they possibly can do in order to to then be able to learn and to and to set themselves up for their future. And I think when when you sort of start at that point, it becomes I guess it becomes a much more positive feeling rather than having to support people who are struggling. It feels like you're able to kind of steer people in the right direction and, and send them on a on a positive path no matter how difficult that might be at the moment. One of our core um terms and conditions for schools is that there is no stigma at all around any of the food that we provide or the support that we provide. We want to make we know that people are proud and they don't always like to accept help from charities. And we don't want that passing on to the next generation. And that's why a universal office offer is so important, that you staff might not be aware of, of the hungry child in the class, and they might be surprised at who it is that's taking the breakfast in the, uh, at the start of the day. Um, so if you remove that stigma and those barriers to breakfast then you you have far more of an impact. In secondary schools, there are an awful lot more barriers because 
teenagers would prefer to go hungry than move away from their peers or, or be seen to stand out. So that's where the extra support that we provide to work with those individual communities really helps. I taught for a lot of years. Um, in I started off in Glasgow. I taught in two extremely deprived communities. Um, that was at the the start of my career when I was very green I hadn't seen very much and was really I learned a lot I've really had my eyes opened at the impact of poverty on those communities and my mum reminded me recently that I was actually taking breakfast in to feed some of those children there and I'd completely forgotten that I went on to work in different schools in I'm currently based in North Yorkshire and you know in very different social contexts but never really took that lesson with me that a hungry child might be wherever I am you can't you don't know what a hungry child looks like um and yet I saw the impact of hunger in my classrooms and I I know for a fact now I can look back with hindsight on my teaching career and think oh actually the issues that I was seeing there were because that child was hungry so things like the child not being able to focus or concentrate, they're not reaching their academic potential. Um, if they might have a sore tummy, might be very sleepy, grumpy, you know, that hangry <laughs> feeling. I, I, I didn't always put it down to hunger. And I wish that I could go back and have my time again in a way. Yeah, and I guess that's the thing, isn't it, about the, these conversations and about sort of the whole idea of of teacher education, because so much of what we talk about here on the show is about it's about that personalised learning, but in both respects you know it's the teachers learning about the child in terms of their life and it doesn't have to be super detailed like say if there if there are certain taboos or certain things they wouldn't say but just the the conversations which kind of gives you a picture of what's going on in ways that you can support and help by asking the right questions by being supportive in whichever way and I think from there like you say you can then start to realize some of these things and maybe piece together some of the story um as much as you can and, and then you can be as helpful and supportive as you can like i say whether that's sort of bringing magic breakfast in because you don't have it at all or just that ability just to be able to sort of have a have a kind word which then opens up maybe that conversation to help in whichever way that you can i love that phrase that that kind word that concept it's absolutely that that kindness is so crucial. And that's what teachers and school staff are absolutely brilliant at. Um, that pastoral care is so important. And if we don't get that in place first, then we won't get the academic outcomes that we want for all of our children and young people. Uh, another benefit for providing food before the start of the school day is it allows staff to pick up on any safeguarding concerns that, you know, those pastoral relationships are really enhanced by having a universal breakfast in schools and it's it's much easier it's it's a less pressured environment it's easier for staff to pick up on the children that they need to watch out for and take under their wing it's a little bit like the um the teenager in the car scenario isn't it when you're both sort of facing forwards conversation no, no, nothing's kind of uh, a big deal we're just having a general conversation about everything and, and and it just always reminds me that whatever sort of natural world situation is available the conversations are different and but the, the feeling of it is different as well and, and you know if you're here giving me my basic needs which is my breakfast so that I can survive for the rest of the day as the best I can 
that's going to have a different impact and a different conversation just because there's something that we all know about the reality of our 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 humanness as it were and when you sort of like say you find that kindness you find that person that's really sort of there supporting you it might be the same person on a regular basis that you get to see um yeah I, I just think it's such a positive thing and as you sort of quite rightly said far beyond just the fact that we've been able to give you a, a piece of toast this morning it's not just about relationships between adults and children and young people either that peer knock-on effect is really important too so breakfast clubs where you traditionally have um, a group of children that aren't from the same class really develop a, a family feel and we hear from um, schools that families feel really welcomed into the community because of their ability to access a breakfast club the older children look after the younger children and role model how to you know how they behave in their community um and it you know the the breakfast club allows or breakfast provision allows children and young people to develop an independence and confidence all those soft skills that really you know that a community helps children and young people to develop and are there any sort of benefits that you've sort of found as surprising that people might not have immediately thought would have been of, of a benefit? For me, it was that impact of parents going back to work. I honestly didn't think that that by feeding children in school that you would have such such a profound impact on their mm. whole lives. Also, things like I had one head teacher tell me once. Um, that they'd had a parent say to them, oh, we didn't know that children could have adult cereal. And they thought that, it, you know, it's just a genuine lack of understanding and knowledge that they were just um, bought into the advertising and marketing by the big brands that, oh, you have to have chocolate with your cereal. They thought that that was for children. We see a lot of schools reporting that the... Um, the quality of breakfast has in, improved. Um, the quality of the food that the children eat has improved. So before schools had a magic breakfast provision, they might have seen children coming in with a pasty or a bag of crisps, a can of Coke. The worst example that I ever had was um, a big bag of marshmallows and a can of Red Bull <laughs> for an eight-year-old child. And then can you imagine you know, nine o'clock, sit on your seat and we're going to do maths. It just, you know, beggars belief that that teachers are having to manage that sort of environment. And, and actually, like we started off saying, the, the solution is very simple. Yeah. Um, and how does it impact the wrong word? But how, how does the practicalities of, of doing sort of breakfast clubs affect, affect the school in terms of which staff were often involved or the, the time scale and I guess you know there's the added hours that someone is working which maybe they wouldn't have been otherwise. Head teachers tell us that that initial period of setting up their breakfast provision is logistically challenging and yet once they get once they've worked out how it's going to happen who's going to run it where it's going to be when it's going to be all of those logistical questions it's the easiest intervention to run it just runs itself often we the best practice we see is when children and young people are involved themselves so the um, year six children in a primary school might go around delivering breakfast to other classrooms um, i saw one brilliant one where children were 
desperate to be the breakfast monitors and they had um you know they washed their hands had the hair all tied back so, so that you know they're learning those basic um catering skills as well um and the school kept that school kept it fresh by rotating breakfast monitors so you only got to do it for two weeks so if they were you know no matter how many pieces of if they're buttering 200 pieces of toast they don't get sick of it they want to do it mm -hmm. um some schools change their ta hours slightly so they might start half an hour earlier and finish half an hour later there are lots of different ways of tweaking it volunteering was something that um we saw drop off obviously during the pandemic that's starting to pick up again so families are starting to get involved we've heard of parent volunteers who've been encouraged to get back into work as well because of the confidence that they've got from helping out at school so you know it's really a um something that helps it's an amazing thing isn't it that confidence across all parts of the community from something which is um yeah so many people won't even think of uh, on a daily basis because it's just what you do like I say at home and it's not related to anything else and I I mean I can certainly still remember being a milk monitor and how exciting that was back, back in the day as they say <laughs> um, um, but there's just something about that responsibility and, and actually you're actually providing something far beyond um, you can kind of put into words or any kind of sort of monetary value really and actually that that impact value is something that is really important to us as well so for the last 10 years we've been asking all of our partner schools to complete a measuring and monitoring survey and we've collected a really robust um, piece of data across those 10 years we've got a really good understanding of the challenges that face our communities um, and also the impact that we provide so 96 percent of our schools tell us that concentration in class has improved as a result of putting breakfast in place 96 percent of schools say that we're alleviating alleviating pressure on families 78 percent of schools tell us that attendance has improved a big part of our offering is we, we we know it's really important to offer a late breakfast to children and young people when they come into school because they're the most at risk of hunger they're probably the the people who've had a mo most chaotic start and not had time to have breakfast and the way that you talk to those people children young people is really important so instead of saying have you had your breakfast say here's some breakfast and it's those subtle um differences that really do make a big difference yeah, and I, I remember having a, a conversation, I think it was with Andrea um, Zafiraku back on, it must have been episode, it was one of the big ones, I think it might have been 250, um, and she was just sort of saying that essence of, you know, the win is actually the child being in school. Um, it starts with the fact they've made it to school. They might be looking after their parents. They might have, a, like I say, a, a large journey to get to school. There's a whole array of things as well, but once you're there then you can make a difference and like I say all of these things coming together really sort of um, gives an environment which is the key thing isn't it because it's not just about how well you're doing in any given subject or or how you fit in your class like I say it might be how you fit in your community at large how you're how you're able to communicate with everyone in different year groups and and the adults around and, and everything all those people that are 
stakeholders always sound like a terrible word to use but people who have got an impact on on any person's life and we all have a, a part to play in that and and i just think it's such a an, an amazing um offering that you're able to do and 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 i guess like i say with that data the idea of seeing where that can be targeted as well whether it needs to be more in the north or the south or inner city or rural or whatever it happens to be that there's there's sort of everyone has the opportunity to to get what they need our measuring and monitoring survey allows us to connect collect case studies of children as and young people as well and the impact as well we really feel that the, that qualitative data brings to life the quantitative data and it, it's so important to hear we heard one child who was continually late for school and was falling behind particularly in phonics which was the first lesson of the day so school spoke to his family and he now arrives at 8.15, which, you know, allows them to have a good breakfast. He's made good progress and he was able to pass the national phonics test directly as a result of coming into school for breakfast. It always boggles my brain a bit that the solution to children being late is to get them into a school earlier. But lots of schools <laughs> tell us that they have a 9 a.m. problem. So another school told us they had a mum who struggles with depression and removing the job of feeding the children before school meant that her four girls who were persistently late now come to school on time. Um, and one child whose attendance was below 50% started attending Breakfast Club and his attendance is, was now 95% over the last term. And we know that attendance is, is important. That's why the DfE publish attendance and absence rates. Um, research shows there's a direct correlation between attendance and exam performance. Yeah, it does make a massive difference, doesn't it? And I love the fact that what we've been able to hear from everything you've spoken about is that is the the everything in the round like you say from the stories to the data to the the practical elements of what you're able to do and and just sort of having the ability to I would imagine the conversations of people who don't have magic breakfast to the, those that might want it. You, it's a very different conversation because of all of that experience that you have. Yeah, we can't um, we can't support all the schools that need our help, sadly. But if someone's listening today and thinks, oh, we, we you know, we would really benefit from that. Um, hopefully some of these stories would be able to help you to then go and have a conversation with your SLT within school to raise the awareness. All of those reports that I've been referencing, they're on our website. So you can go and look at them. SLT are really motivated by those hard facts. So, you know, it's a good in to say, actually, you know, we I think we've got this issue within our community and this is how we could solve it. Yeah, I love that. And I'm always interested with people who work within education. And of course, you've, like say, from being a teacher to, to the work that you're doing now, is there... And a personal education experience or teacher that, that you remember and has, did it have an impact in a way that maybe is supported you was within your career isn't it? I really liked school and um and then got to sixth form and had an absolute ball <laughs> that my social life really <laughs> took over um it's it's kind of my my eldest has just gone to uni and is living her best life. So I'm revisiting all of those times now from my life. In sixth form, in my mocks for my A-levels, I did really badly. And just it just made, it was a wake-up call for me. It really made me think, oh, actually, I need to stop going out just for the next few months. <laughs> <laughs> Give it a day or two, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I did. And then... Um, 
on results day, it was amazing. And I've never still, there's not, I mean, that was a long time ago now. I've never felt as proud. I had a really strict teacher um, who was brilliant. He was absolutely fantastic. He got great results from his class. And I think having that, um, just that feeling of success and something that I worked for really, really has stood with me. I think you've got to graft. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that resilience and that sense of understanding that every small thing you do has a big payoff further down the track. And if you have a goal and you have a, um, a, an, a an achievement you want to try and do, whether that's a particular grade or, let's say, going to uni or whatever it happens to be, there's the, it's the journey leading up to it which is more important than the, the sort of the, the main essence of it as we all know sitting in an exam having maybe not revised or, <laughs> or not done the right things or whatever that happens to be so yeah no that makes a lot of sense um is there a piece of advice you'd like to share or indeed is there a piece of advice you might give your younger self now um looking back above and beyond don't do too many parties <laughs> <laughs> oh, you've got to have a balance. You have to have the parties. Exactly. You have yeah, to have the true. fun. Um, so the best advice that I was ever given was when I was pregnant with my first child and it was our neighbour next door, obviously. Um, she is a wonderful, warm woman and she told me that um, you're, that, that mum knows best and you're the mum. She told me that you're you're a mum nine months before your husband's a dad and just trust yourself, trust your gut. And that was hugely empowering for me, because especially when our first child was born and we didn't have a clue what we were doing. <laughs> just thought, what do I do? And that, that sense of inner confidence was was just really, really important to me. And I wish that I'd felt that all the way through. So just, you know, know when to trust your gut, know when to, you're strong enough and you're resilient enough and you can do this. I really like that. And it's something I think we need to talk about more generally, because I think inherently some of the issues that certainly children have within school, you know, we're talking about breakfast and eating and things today, but I think you do inherently know when things are right and working for you and when they're wrong and working against you. But what we often don't have is either the time to kind of be aware of that or the fact that you feel like you can make a difference. And, you know, so many things are so structured these days. It, it really um, is important. But I think, again, like we said before about from a breakfast club point of view, that gives you a time in a different way in a relationship and those sorts of things. And I think us having this conversation that, all of us listening can identify with that I think each part of those conversations then get it sort of drip feeds into the children that we're supporting in the environment that we're we're a part of because there's there's an empathy there there's an understanding there and I think when you start to feel it yourself it certainly it feeds out into all the people that you're you're helping as well whether it's conscious or not but certainly I, th I think is, is is powerful beyond sort of beyond the words that we're able to sort of describe it as I really love that is there a resource you'd like to share? And this can be anything professional or personal from a podcast, video, film, song, book. Um, but yeah, any, anything you'd like to share. I'd, I'd love to share a film, actually. And it's one that I've only watched very recently with my husband. It's called Rye Lane. And um, it's the most wonderful, heartwarming story. Um, 
it's of a it's set in London and it's a London that I'm familiar with that you don't always see in films and it's just an absolutely brilliant story just a really heartwarming film it just you know it it just shows I think it highlights a lot of the themes that we've talked about today where people just need to be nice to each other (laughs) exactly there's like all these things that we need to kind of be aware of in the world and a lot of it just comes down to that kind of basic humanity and what we can what we can say to the next person which is just you know the knock-on effect of that and the ripple effect of that is uh is is really massive um and, and finally the acronym fire is really important for us here on education on fire and by that we mean feedback inspiration resilience and empowerment what is it that just gets your interest or, or comes to mind when you when you hear those four words i mentioned that um, my first two teaching experiences were in glasgow and um in the first school that i worked in the the children had incredibly diff- difficult home lives we you know they had they were third generation unemployed there were a lot of parents who were drug addicts and you know just incredibly difficult lives um i asked i asked them once we were talking about milk and i asked them where milk comes from and, the, and one child said the shop and i said no it comes from cows and and, and one child asked what a cow was so it really shocked me just it was completely out of my experience and that school was very divided it was very there were a lot of there was a lot of violence a lot of um a lot of difficulties the head teacher wasn't hugely supportive and the next school that i worked in was very similar social demographics and the head teacher had been there for 20 years and ruled with love and it was a haven from these really difficult things that they had going on outside. And that really showed me that it has to come from the top down. It really matters who is running the country or the school or it, we, we, you know, we just need to remember that common humanity. I think for me, the, the biggest takeaway from what you just said there as well is the fact that when you have two organizations like say a school in that particular scenario where you may have the same money you have the same children the the same kind of environment and there's nothing that can be different apart from your attitude and your personality and the way you approach something while that might be very hard for the people involved like, like you said in those particular circumstances it does mean that you can make a difference you know now <laughs> and and tomorrow and while we might like you know more money a change of system a different government or whatever that might happen to be um you can do something and that's really the essence of this podcast is that you know whatever we can do whatever conversation we can have whatever thought process we can we can put in place for someone who maybe hadn't thought about something in a certain way then we're making some some kind of difference so Catherine thank you so much for chatting to me thanks for sort of all the insights i think i think we've i've certainly learned an awful lot in terms of of the the bigger impact that you're obviously making as well as the the practical impact so um do tell people where they can find out sort of more about you in magic breakfast and and like i say some of those resources that you have to offer well and before we go i've got a question for you mark what okay what's your favorite breakfast my favorite breakfast avocado and poached egg on toast on sourdough toast i should say oh very fancy delicious
<laughs> yeah, that's it's our it's a, it's kind of an often weekend treat, partly because of the time scenario, like you said before. But uh, yeah, there's just there's just something about that which is very uh, very wholesome and, and heartwarming for me. Lovely. We have a brilliant website, www.magicbreakfast.com. Uh, there's lots of information on there about um, our work, a broader picture of what we do. You can also get involved on social media and um, we have various campaigns throughout the year, one of which is the Great Big Breakfast, where um, we encourage people to have a breakfast themselves, whether that's at home or at work, and raise money for us. And um, yeah, on all the usual social channels, not to be confused with a certain radio program. <laughs> a, a, a slightly different world um, in there in the same way so uh, well thank you so much indeed we'll have links to all those things on the show notes so people can just sort of go and have a look and click through as well so yeah really appreciate your time and uh, keep up the great work and um, and hopefully like you say we won't have this conversation again because it won't be needed but in the meantime yeah thank you so much indeed thank you thank you for listening and being part of this wonderful community with over 300 episodes, I've collated 20 resources from guests that have been on the show to help you in your educational journey and those of you involved with young people. Just go to educationonfire.com and you can sign up on the homepage. Thanks for listening to the Education on Fire podcast. For more information of each episode and to get in touch, go to educationonfire.com. Education is not the filling of a pail, but the lighting of a fire.